I'm Evelyn Glennie, and you're listening to the Evelyn Glennie Podcast. Have you ever wondered how sound effects are added to films or TV and radio shows, video games, animation and the likes? Well, for many years, I've been intrigued by the world of Foley. Jack Foley was the first sound artist to break into the film industry, hence why this art form is named after him. As a sound creator and percussionist myself, I find that I naturally dip into the world of Foley. So one day I could be playing a beautiful piece of music on the most amazing marimba, and the next creating a sound from a toy rain stick to depict a sizzling steak, both done with an equal measure of care and attention, I might add. During lockdown, I delved into a book called The Foley Grail, which is a fascinating read for those with any kind of curiosity towards knowing a little more about what we really are listening to when we snuggle in front of our TVs or munch into popcorn at the cinema. It's a fascinating world and Foley artists are the most creative pool of people I know. Well, in this podcast, I'm absolutely delighted to have this opportunity to chat with one of the UK's most in-demand Foley artists, Ruth Sullivan, and together we'll try to reveal more about the skill, the imagination and magic of the Foley world. Ruth, thank you. Thank you for joining me. You know, I would be very intrigued to visit your house one day to see what it's like. Is it like a Foley studio or, or is it nice? Um, (laughs) yes well um I can safely say that I collect a lot of items some may call them junk I call them uh what do I call them well props I suppose just very simply but um yes the the most yeah tools of the trade yes thank you very much um (laughs) I'm not sure my mum would agree with you but yes (laughs) um yes I mean the thing is is that the very basic things can be so useful in a studio. Um, I've got about 10 different lighters, for example, from Zippos to Clippers to old sort of wartime things. I don't even know what they're called because they all sound different. And depending on the project, you might need something that is appropriate to that character. You know, oh. you, you, you can't just use a, an electric lighter. That just wouldn't sound right no. for a wartime piece or something. I yeah. think historically, you know, when you are looking at these objects, I mean, you, you say, well, it could just be a, a, you know, a bit of cat to someone, you know, a bit of junk or, or you know, whatever. But actually, you're seeing this as something you know, really quite specific. And and I suppose Mm. for you to walk into any kind of shop, store, kids' toy shop, antique place, brick and brack, home-based type place, I mean, this must be a fascinating exploration every single time. (laughs) Yeah, and it gets a bit expensive as well, to be honest. Um, (laughs) um, Any excuse. (laughs) But no, I, I, I actually worked on a production in Chester of A Midsummer Night's Dream and they were really keen to use Foley to create little bits of magic um, for the fairies. So we had a whole uh, session just trying trying out different um, props and I uh, went into a toy shop and I had a very nice time in there <laughs> trying to find lots of bits and pieces that we could you know that could maybe be bought for several actors that could make a nice sound for the fairies and incredible things. really and I mean yeah. are you 
actually ever using actual instruments, musical instruments. I mean, I'm I'm thinking more of the the percussion um, because mm. I mean there is this kind of grey area, you know. As as I mean, I could be playing a piece of music for flower pots, you know, but I'm playing it mm. as a musician um, as opposed to creating some kind of uh, effect. But you know, you find yourself, you know, actually picking up bits and pieces uh, from the percussion world. Um. I suppose not so much with the foley that I do for film and TV, but for stage work, that would definitely be the case. Um, I work a lot on a production of The Magic Flute, and one of the the most amazing props I have is this enormous thunder sheet. Um, it, it's, you know, I mean, it's taller than me, and it's just fantastic, and I, I play it it has a contact mic on it, so um, mm. you can imagine that they can put lots of different EQ and things on on the sound anyway. But I play it with a violin bow on the side, oh, yeah. and then it gets the most incredible resonance and the vibrations. And then if you put something metallic on to the thunder sheet as well, then you get all the vibrations going through the the metal poker. I usually use a poker, and it's you can feel it as well, which is wonderful, but you can really moderate the sounds that you're making to accompany um, the action on stage. So it's really a wonderful, it's, it's, it's a whole body experience, actually, playing that. I mean, that's fascinating because in a way you're trying to find sounds within sounds within sounds and, mm-hmm. and always thinking outside of the box as regards to how an object can be manipulated. Yes, yes, d- definitely. And and I actually was teaching somebody how to use that thunder sheet in a recent production and, and just sort of working out what I was, um, what I was doing with my body and, and, and the way my hands were moving and thinking that's that's something that I have developed um, myself, you know, instinctively, I suppose, but over a, the course of a few years and trying to sort of teach that essence to somebody else made me sort of try and distill it into a series of instructions. It was quite an interesting experience. And he did very, very well, I might add. (laughs) But he had a different technique, which is also beautiful. uh, Yeah, Absolutely. And I mean, in a way, that's a lesson in itself. Because, you know, even if you're learning uh, a musical instrument, I mean, at the end of the day, our bodies are all different, you know, different Mm. size hands, lengths of arms and so on. And just recently, I was talking to um, the the legendary tabla player, Indian tabla player, Zakir Hussain. And I mean, he has ignited the world through his tabla playing. And but he was saying how, in a way, his father um, had just let him explore the drum as an infant in his own way, rather than distilling, well, this is, you know, how you play it, and this is what you need to do, and how you need to sit, etc., etc. And he just let him have this curiosity, and just said to him, please just say hello to the instrument, and allow the instrument to say hello back to you. And that was time. And it's so interesting, because, of course, you know, Zakir is just such a phenomenal musician, such a phenomenal virtuosic technician as well. And here we are, you know, he's saying at the age of 69, 70, just say hello to your instrument. And I would imagine that for a Foley artist, it's saying hello to a a lighter or to a jacket or a (laughs) pair of shoes or something and, and finding 
that relationship between you, the, 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 the object itself, and you yourself. Yes, I, I, that's a really lovely way of thinking about it. And, you know, you're you know my hands are so intrinsic to the process and and you can you know I, I can I've got a notebook here and I can I can touch it very heavily or I can stroke it or I can you know it's it's a it's um touch is so important mm. to everything that we do really and and yes and and I I joke about people calling props junk but because actually I'm they're very special to me they may be 50 years old at these you know things that are falling apart but they're they're precious absolutely absolutely <laughs> but I'd just like to go back um to the beginning and and ask you know how did you fall into the foley world i mean what is your background mm yes i i mean i definitely did fall into it it's certainly not a career path I ever had in mind. Um, I was doing dancing and theatre work and that's where I was aiming for, but I just wasn't getting anything professional or not much anyway. And I happened to see an advert in the stage newspaper uh, um, that said dancers wanted for film work, which I assumed would be just, you know, being an extra at the back of a dance scene. Um, <laughs> I sent off my CV and this woman phoned me up and she said, well, it's not actually dancing, but it does help if you have a dance background. And I was intrigued. And she said, the thing is, is that I'm a Foley artist. And she gave me a little dis description of what that meant, which was, you know, totally confusing to me. Um, <laughs> and then I, 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 I basically auditioned in her house and passed the audition which I think, if I remember rightly, was just walking in time with somebody on the television and um, just to see if I could mimic the actions of an actor. Um, yeah, and then and then she just sort of... I had these very ad hoc little training sessions in her living room um, and, and she taught me a few tricks of the trade. And, and I mean, it took many months of little one day here and there it wasn't a sort of consistent training at all um and then I went to observe a few sessions in the studios when she was working and and was and was allowed to add my footsteps at the back of a crowd scene on occasion um so yeah it, it was a it was a long process and I certainly never be, would have imagined that I'd be doing Foley however many years later that was mid 90s so yeah it's it's been a yeah it's it's been a very if I look back it just surprises me that this is where I've ended up (laughs) yes and I mean do you think that your your uh dancing and acting background was a really necessary part in in developing your Foley skills is this a um an avenue that that many people of a similar background take um, or do they happen to be musicians or or percussionists or um, I don't know just something completely different? There are definitely a few a, cu- a couple of my friends in in Foley came from a dance background as well. Um, I think some people just fall into it from a slightly different angle. Maybe they have a friend or a partner in the industry. Um, I think personally, for me, I think that the theatre absolutely helps it's it's theater is is part of my life anyway and I work in the theater now as well which is wonderful because my Foley career has sort of dovetailed with my 
theatre work. Um, so it, the Foley has given me a, a new uh, career path, really, in professional theatre, which is astounding <laughs> to me still. I love that. Um, but also because film and TV, I mean, I love watching films and I love watching TV dramas. And if you're working on them, you can get into the characters and you can walk in the way that they walk. And then you're intrigued by the storyline. So you want to find out a bit more and then you put a bit more character into the sounds that you're creating. And I think, um, yes, I th- I would definitely say my, my uh, theatre background has been has been helpful uh, and they feed into each other. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, which is really nice. Yeah, and I think how you're describing this is such a, a, an important form of listening because you're using the eye. Your mm. the observational skills, you know, are so magnified, and and you're zooming into the teeniest detail, but yet also zooming out and and seeing the whole picture. And mm-hmm. I mean, I can only imagine that if you're watching someone walking down. Um, I, I don't know, a pavement or something and, and it's a busy street and you would be no doubt observing, I don't know what, I mean, you tell me. <laughs> well, in yes, I do actually have to prevent myself from walking in time with people when I'm walking behind them on the street. <laughs> Just stop thinking about work. But <laughs> yes, I mean, you know, it's it's um, it, it's it's well known, for example, that John Thor, the actor most famous for Inspector Morse, he he had a limp. He did. Um, he had a limp, and it was apparently something to do with an Achilles tendon injury many years before. But he uh, refused to accept that he had a limp. So, uh, but as a Foley artist, you would have to incorporate that into the steps because it wouldn't sound right if you did a sort of very even paced yeah. walk. <laughs> but you had to be careful as well because he didn't like it. Oh, interesting. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And <laughs> you're observing the 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 weight of the person, the the mood of the person, the type of shoes, what they're walking on, if it's concrete, grass, or yeah. stone, yeah. Or, or, or gravel, or, or whatever. I, I, you know, I mean, it's just endless, the kinds of things you would have to observe. Yes, yes, that's right. And, uh, you know, you again, it, you have to switch off from that. But when you're watching a program, when you're about to work on it, the your eye and your mind, you know, you're you're constantly looking at all the different um, bits and pieces. Yeah, like the surfaces, the shoes, the mood. Um, but it makes it quite difficult to watch something after a day's work. So I, I mean, I, te- I don't go to the cinema during the week. I mean, I'm I'm not as good as at going to the cinema as I think I ought to be. When they reopen, I'll be back. But um, <laughs> but yes, uh, it's it's quite difficult to stop thinking about what's happening next. What service are they walking on um, when you're just trying to enjoy a drama? Yeah. I mean, it sort of slightly spoils your enjoyment. I'm not going to lie. But <laughs> no, that, that's really interesting because in a way, it I feel slightly the same when I go to a. Uh, a concert of another percussion mm. player um, because I, I know about the logistics and about the yeah. kind of work that it takes just to get the instruments there and set up and positioned and then the whole process of preparing for the concert and so on and and you of can't course. quite just sit still and 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 
thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy it. You know, even when it's the most amazing experience, it's you're still just that little thing in the back of your mind. You know. Yes. Yes. Of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. And you don't want to judge. But at the same time, you think, well, maybe I would have done something slightly differently. Or, yeah. 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 And I suppose you could line up, you know, five different Foley artists, ask them to do um, or watch the same scene. And I would imagine they would all come out with something a little bit different as regards to how they might interpret um, or achieve a particular sound. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. And in some ways, that was the benefit of, that is the benefit of working as a pair, as we used to do when I first started, because you could um, share the, the characters on the screen, but also you could look out for each other, or you could, you could, um, you know, if you had an idea of a certain sound effect, somebody else could say, ah, oh, yes, and then you could add this sound, and then we'd get the top end, or, you know, and, and it's a collaboration then if you're working with another artist. Yeah, and I mean, one of the things that I read in the Foley Grail book, which is absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant, and even yes. if you're, you know, not really, um, or you didn't think you were necessarily interested in, in uh, the Foley world, is actually a really interesting read for anybody yeah. just to pick up. Um, but yes, how in years gone by, you know, people used to work mainly as a pair, but yeah. now it's much more isolated. I mean, that must have a fairly you know, strong impact on, I suppose, the the expectation, the the, uh, the the stress level, because you are literally on your own having to come mm. up with ideas. The first time that when when it sort of started to happen, I found it quite stressful um, and tiring, so tiring, because you wouldn't necessarily get more time to do a job. Um, you would and you would just be on your feet all the time going, who am I looking at? What shoes am I wearing? What's happening? Oh, um, so, yeah, very intense. Um, but, I, you know, it's been a long time now since I've mostly worked on my own. Occasionally I work with, with a friend of mine and we have such a jolly time. It's really um, exciting. Um, but, yes, actually, it, it working on your own also can give you more of a... Um, um, motivation somehow because you're following everything so your concentration and focus is is constant um, which as I say I used to find quite exhausting but I think now it's perhaps more um, energizing in a in a sort of converse way because um, you're you're on you're on on performance mode all the time and it's, it's interesting that you use that word performance because you know, it, a Foley artist isn't something, isn't a person that we see in mm. the film, but that psychological aspect of performing with a cigarette lighter or a thunder sheet or a, a chair or a jacket or something is, is really quite key, I believe. Yeah. Yes, yes, it is. And, and also... Um... It comes down to the relationship you have with the the other people in the studio. There may only be one person, an engineer, or there might be a sound editor, a director, another artist, 
And certainly when I first started, there'd be more people in the room and you did feel like you were stepping out on stage with no support and people standing there behind you watching. And it was excruciating. I was terrified. Um, and and this relationship is so key because if if the engineer or the sound editor says to you, that was beautiful or that was really good, can we try this as well? Then you feel... In any job, it would be the same, but you feel bolstered and and energized by that, and then you want to perform more and better, and you know it's a it's a lovely process. So, do you find that once you've completed a project, and let's say the the project is now out there for all to enjoy, are you able to watch it? <laughs> um, some things I will avoid watching. Some things I still love because I'm so excited about the project mm. um, Killing Eve is my best most recent example of that I I love that series and I recommend it to everybody and, and I love the fact that I've worked on it I feel really proud that I've worked on it yeah yeah and so I can watch that definitely I can watch that over and over <laughs> yes absolutely it's massively successful so just talk me through that process so I assume that you were uh, contacted to uh, participate in Killing Eve as a Foley artist. Then what? <laughs> it actually was a, a little bit more... Um, uh, the process was more that I was one of the main artists at a particular studio, and that studio had the project, you know, the post-production house received the project and I happened to be one of their regular artists. So I wasn't actually called up to work on Killing Eve, but it has happened that I have worked on all three series and done mo many of the episodes, not all of them. Um, so, yes. But then sometimes you, you do get called up, you know, somebody will say, I've got a series or I've got a film and I'd really like you to work on it. And yes, of course, that feels absolutely fantastic. And then you're going to put more effort into something, aren't you? When you absolutely, like absolutely. Yeah. So in the studio itself, the, the environment, um, yeah. what is that like? Give us a picture of, of the kinds of things um, that you would have had at your disposal in the yeah. studio. Gosh, it, I mean, different studios are kitted out differently, of course, but um, my favourite places would have a whole load of old stuff. <laughs> old stuff is really difficult to recreate with new stuff. <laughs> um, you know, so old wooden floorboards and creaky boxes and um, and things that, that you really don't want to fall apart, but they might be just on the edge. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, the, the one studio that I love working at has a, a big um, creaky wooden, we, we call it a drum, but I don't know why. I think it's it's a cable, a, a massive cable um, oh, bobbin yeah. or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I know what you mean. I think actually one of my brothers has got it on his farm, a similar right. thing. I do yes. know what you mean. Yes. Yes. And I wish I knew the word, but they're about five feet in, yeah. in diameter. You know, they're, they're huge. And I don't even know how it got into the room, but it's there. And it's wonderful because you can um, put pressure on it. You know, you, you put your whole body on it and it creaks and you can get the rattle of a, of a cart from, you know, a horse and cart going by. Uh, and you can put suitcases on it and make it sound like a carriage. 
you know, and or you can put a prop on and just the resonance of it gives the, whatever you're doing much more weight and uh, and yeah and resonance and it just yeah it's it's a wonderful prop but I'm sure people walk into the room and go why is that there <laughs> what on earth are you, do you use that for <laughs> you can't move it well I know I know I don't need to move it <laughs> yeah brilliant so I mean the props are there mm. but do you turn up with a suitcase of things or a van load of things or <laughs> a pocket I, I <laughs> yeah, pockets full of things. No, I haven't got a van as yet, but I I usually have a suitcase full of shoes of different uh-huh. varieties, um, not ones that you'd want to wear in in public, but um, they they make a good sound. Lots of different types of trainers and high heels and men's shoes and and things. So trainers, so yeah, sound. I'm trying to think the sound, what the sound is of a trainer. I always thought trainers were soft and. Um, didn't really create yeah. it's it's a really that's that's one of the technical issues that we often have with foley that you can see somebody walking down the street in a pair of trainers so you assume that there's a soft rubber contact with the with the the floor but yeah. a lot of trainers especially nowadays have um they really hit the surface of the the ground very in with and they're quite hard they ah, okay. can actually sound more like boots or, um, yeah, soldiers' boots or something. But um, I, I got some the other day actually for a job, and they're 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 very very small and very rubbery and and very uh, a really soft subtle sound, and it's perfect. And in fact, the um, the sound mixer for Killing Eve was really insistent that unless she was wearing very very obvious high heels chunky heels he wanted um uh jodie coma to play um to wear these soft shoes so that she was um stealthy she was always stealthy in Ah. in her scenes which which was sometimes for us a little bit tricky because we saw that she was maybe wearing something that would be louder Mm. but we would wear these soft sort of baseball boots type thing um and and it and it really worked for the character because she's an assassin so you know you you go with the the sound that the character informs rather than what you're literally seeing it was quite yeah fascinating is that why some sound engineers actually close their eyes when Foley artists are doing their magic so that they're not influenced by what they see, i.e. from what you're doing, um, but they're they're then better able to connect that to the visuals of the actual film or whatever the the project might be. Yes, I think that often happens by accident, but it's it's really useful. So um, the engineer may be in a control room, so they can't actually see what we're using. And that's great. And sometimes you'll say, oh, I found this great prop. And and he'll go, I don't want to know. Don't show it to me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And then you create the sound and then they're like, what did you use? And they and they just they can't believe that whatever you've done was made with a a Walkman and a a, I don't know, an old bolt or something. Um, But yeah, that's lovely when that happens. Absolutely. And do you think, though, that um, with the 
the lockdown that we've all been experiencing, obviously our senses have become in a way much more talked about, you know, mm. and it's heightened. Um, the fact that we're being asked to, you know, open our, our, our door and to look out and to feel, to smell, to, to you know, see, to hear and, and all sorts of things like that. Mm. I think that has had an impact on you as a Foley artist. Um, or has this just been ingrained for, for a, a, a long time? I think, gosh, this is multi-layered really, isn't it? But um, I think that one of the gifts of the lockdown, and, and bearing in mind I realise that lots of people have lost a lot and, and lot, you know, oh. have had to deal with, with hideous situations, but, yeah. uh, but, I, but I also feel like the... Um, the fact that traffic quietened down, particularly in the first lockdown, um, the fact that everyone had to stop and mm. do less um, really did um, make you aware of your surroundings more. Um, I, you know, always I've, I'm always busy, so I'll go to work or, or I'll go to a, a rehearsal or I'll meet people. And, I, you know, life has a frantic pace often. And the fact that we had to stop yes it I think it made us appreciate our surroundings a lot more and um certainly without planes flying over without traffic a few yards away you know there there was there was a, a different sense of, of the sound around you even if it yeah it, it, the absence was very powerful mm. um but I mean, I, I don't have a sense of smell, so that and not through COVID for, <laughs> since about twenty years ago. So um, I I find that uh, yeah, it's it's I find it interesting that I therefore work with sound. I know, so, you know I know, I think, yeah. But in a way, it's fascinating, you know, when you are observing a, a whether it's a television program, film, whatever it might be, and there's no speech. And yeah. it is lit and, and maybe not a lot of action as such, yeah. you know, it could be someone just sitting in a chair. Yeah. And but yet the the magnification of the sound, the presence of that sound, the space between mm -hmm. the sound, you know, becomes absolutely magical and mm. the suspense, the feeling, the emotion is extraordinary and I suppose that's the one thing that um, has in my mind been magnified during this whole lockdown is is the patience of mm. allowing our senses to almost dictate how we might feel rather than mm. you know us saying well this is what we should see this is what we should listen to this is what we're hearing this is what we're you know smelling or tasting or touching or whatever and and I think that's really interesting because since meeting you, I've really tried to be ultra observant, you know, as regards to the, the patience of sound. Um, it's, it's hard to describe it, really, but the, it, it's, the impact is quite enormous. I mean, if that wasn't present, it would be a, a, a whole different feeling towards mm -hmm. towards the, the the you know the message of the film or, or program yes thank you and and i i agree and and um you know there you can look at a, a film we look at at, the, at a film before we 
put Foley on and you think, oh, that's a really quiet scene. Nothing's really happening. And then, yes, you actually realise that somebody is walking. You might want to hear the creak of their shoe. Um, you might, you know, the, depending on where the camera angle is, you might want to um, hear the I don't know the bird in the in through the window or you might you know and or somebody picks up a magazine and they don't just open a page you know they touch the corner and they you know there's so much detail that you can put in and it's, it's that zooming in but then that gives you it gives the audience something very different almost palpable I suppose um and it, it's the atmosphere it's a charged atmosphere that the sound can create and it can make make you feel claustrophobic it can make you feel icky <laughs> you know it can make yes. you feel uncomfortable or it can make you feel relaxed and you know yes. sweep you off into the emotion of the scene I think yeah yes. and also the, the the presence of the sound or the, the placement of the sound I mean this mm. is something that musicians are constantly um, you know, experimenting with so whether a sound is is has an off-stage feel or quite a present feel or, right. or is it a thick sound? Is it a thin sound? Is it yeah. a, a fat sound? Is it a stodgy sound? Is it a fragile sound? And so on. And uh, and that's what I find interesting with Foley is is okay. Is, you might be creating the sound of footsteps, but where are those footsteps? You know, are they sort of hundred yards down the road or are they present and how then is that manipulated mm. so is that something that you do or is that a sound engineer um you know role or or uh, or is it a combination or, or what kind of happens with that sort of thing it is a combination of things actually but certainly when i first started we were taught um a method of of, of uh uh, fading in your own footsteps if somebody was walking towards the camera so you would start quietly and then you would increase the the, the sound <laughs> so you yeah you were sort of doing the the fader yourself and then I was t I when things became uh, more digital I suppose um we were told on no uncertain terms, stop doing that. I'm fading you in. Stop. <laughs> so, oh, sorry, sorry. It was so ingrained. It was really hard. <laughs> um, but, yeah, somebody else is, is fading between two microphones, you know, a distant mic and a close mic and things. So, yeah. They're, they're... Sorry, Ruth. No, sorry. <laughs> That's quite funny because it's, it's a little bit like um, – um, I remember uh, recording some pieces on the marimba in a chorale type style, so where you're yeah. rolling all the notes on the marimba, and you know you spend ages practicing fading out and fading <laughs> in, you know, with the sound, so that it doesn't just, you know, there isn't a sudden attack. And uh, and I do remember the sound engineer saying, "Oh, don't worry about that, you know, they'll all <laughs> fade it in or out, or the engineer would." Yeah. And and I thought, no, 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 I I, I want to do it myself because I really yes. practice this, you know. Yes, yes. <laughs> I want of to course. give the real feel, kind of thing. <laughs> yes, yes, and it's the feel, and it's you know, it's part of your skill, and you feel like you're offering that. Yes. And then when someone says, "Oh, I'm just going to do it with a fader," it's really upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> but interestingly, though, am I right in thinking that you're a woman? Obviously, that that time I, I am a woman. woman. Yes, but, yes. But are you sometimes asked to do male 
footsteps or a man's footsteps or or and vice versa as a man you know do they have to sometimes put on high heels or something yes yes they do they do um interestingly i mean maybe i maybe i'm biased but i think for a woman to do a man's footstep it's possibly easier because i can have a pair of leather soled shoes if i'm doing you know like an old-fashioned period piece or something and i can walk like a man i can walk as heavy as a man um uh, you know whatever's required perhaps it's a little harder for men because yes they're not so um used to wearing women's shoes or maybe they are um but but i think also I say that and then I think, well, that's wrong, though, Ruth, isn't it? Because actually I don't wear heels when I walk as a woman. I wear because because the heels, you know, get in the way. It's actually really hard to walk on the spot in a pair of heels. So I wear flat shoes that happen to sound like heels and uh, they're much easier to, to walk in. So, yeah, we, we, we swap and change. We can we can do it all. Basically. So you do it all exactly. So yes. sometimes do you, do you have to sometimes wear shoes on your hands? So not actually use your, but depict walking, but using your hands, and that maybe that effect works better or something. Um, very rarely, actually, if I'm honest, it's it's really better to to use uh, the body weight. Um, but you know, when I do cartoons or children's animations, you know, then then I mostly use my hands because they don't walk. Um, in a linear fashion it's much easier to to use your hands but there we go yeah if you think of Peppa Pig to dump to dump to dump to dump to dump oh yes yes do you have a, a favorite medium at all do you like television or films animation computer games oh. or or is there a favorite um there's definitely a non-favorite um sorry everybody but I really don't like working on computer games I have done a few and I find them quite hard work because it's very repetitive and because Uh they have to have a a a sort of library of of similar but different sounds um because I I think I'm writing saying that they don't have much memory within the 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 game itself to, to, to have massive um uh uh soundscapes so they have to have a they use an algorithm so you 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 might record a footstep and and have a very distinctive heel toe sound and then they'll chop it all up and so that heel might go with a toe from a different footstep and the algorithm will choose that within the game so as an artist it's not very um there's not not so much flow I mean it's interesting but it's I prefer a drama much prefer tv drama or film that I can really get stuck into. Absolutely, yeah. that's that's really interesting. And I mean, you use the word library because mm. you know I I realise that there are Foley libraries mm. and they're, they're quite extensive. So when would a Foley a sound from a Foley library be used as opposed to you know getting someone in person recording that sound and performing it? Mm. I think that. Um, it depends on the on the project and depends on the um, sound effects editor most likely, um, but perhaps because there's always sound effects that are added as well, and it may be that um, you will have um, maybe a car crash scene, and the sound effects editor will add 
the sound of the crash, but the Foley artist will add the detail, which would be the the, the light being smashed, the um, number plate falling off and landing and spinning or something. Mm. Um, and so, so it's a bit of a combination of, of different departments, uh, really. But then also a Foley engineer may have their own library of sounds that they've recorded at different sessions. And they could say, do you know what? It's not worth filling the big tank of water for that person jumping in a swimming pool because I've got one of them that we recorded, you know, a few months ago. <laughs> so um, it's a, it, that would be the situation where a Foley library would, would really um, come into its own. But uh, generally speaking, it's the, it's the sort of personal touch that you can create as an artist right there at the time and it's it it doesn't it's an economical way of working really because it would take so long to find that exact right sound in a library to then match to that action that the actor is performing on the screen so yeah yeah it's interesting because then it, it just gives a very positive feel feel that um you know the world of foley is still very much alive and that we need people to develop the skill Yes, I, it is alive, although not very alive at the moment, because of course we rely so much on on um, uh, on production. <laughs> you know, if there's not much filming going on, there's not much much foley going on. But mm. yes, I once things pick up again, once things start um, filming again, then there'll always, I believe, be a, a call for foley artists. So, um, mm. yeah. and I mean, is, is this subject addressed for? Um, students when they're uh, studying film or, or um, I, I don't know, media arts or, or mm. I, I'm not sure, theatre work? I think that it's definitely taught more as a concept, if not in a practical sense, um, on film courses. And I often have emails from from people who are at college who'd like to have a chat or or you know how would you record this and how would you do this and and I I try and get in touch with as many people as possible but um it's it's hard it's a difficult little industry to break into because as we mentioned you know mostly the artists are working on their own so having somebody in the room to try and train is very uh, tricky time-wise you know you're, you're up against the clock most of the time um, but there are definitely uh, students who are who, who are becoming interested in Foley who are who are doing their own on their own student projects um, so yeah I I mean hopefully the the industry will be supported and and can keep developing but but I think we all also need to face the reality that it's difficult. There's a bit of a, a block between learning and being interested in it. And then there's this sort of <laughs> wall before you can then become an artist. I mean, it, mm. yeah, it's, it's not easy. And, and yeah, I don't have any, any solutions for that really. Well, it, it's interesting. And I mean, that, that leads me to ask that if you were asked to uh, participate in, let's say, uh, uh, an Indian film or yeah. a South American film or something or project. I mean, are there territorial sounds, as it were, um, you know, throughout the world or 
or is it is it you know do foley artists travel around the world and and you know participate mm. in, in any project that they're asked to do that's I'm going to contradict myself now because I would say that most countries are very protective of their own artists and don't allow other people in. But I have actually worked in India on a film and I have worked in Lisbon and Paris. Um, But yes, generally speaking, I mean, I wouldn't, for example, under any circumstances, assume that I could work in in America. They, They have their own artists and it's their industry and absolutely you know that that's fair enough i would be slightly annoyed if an american artist came in and tried to work in the studios that i work in i i think we're we're all as it with most industries i guess we're all quite protective of our own mm. areas i think but, I, was, yes. I was maybe i'm thinking about um is there a hollywood style or is there mm. a new york style uh, a london style a paris style i i don't know i'm i'm just mm. uh I don't know really enough about the industry to know whether that even exists. I think there probably is. I'm almost certain there would be different sort of house styles, as it were. Um, I know that when I went to Paris, I was sort of told off by the sound editor for not working like a like a French Foley artist. And I'm thinking, well, I'm really sorry about that, but I'm from the UK. How can I possibly be French? It's just, you know, sorry, not much I can do about that. Um, so, yes, I, I'm sure I'm sure there are styles, countrywide styles. But but then, you know, I've worked with, I think, most of the Foley artists in the, U, in the London sort of area, and we all have different ways of doing things amongst ourselves as well. So, I, I yeah. Yeah, I, interesting. It's sort of microcosm, microcosm, isn't it? But yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Um, have you ever been in a situation whereby you have just simply been stumped as regards mm. to how to create a sound? Yes. Ah, okay. Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Tell me more. Um, oh, I'm trying no, to think no. of a good example. I mean, sometimes, I, actually, I come back to this example. I, I, I've used, I've mentioned this before because it still sort of um, surprises me. I surprised myself um, when I, I went into a studio and the first thing I had to do was um, it, there was a car crash and somebody had to break out of the, the, the crashed car by kicking the windscreen uh-huh. and, and climbing out. And, um, I mean, it was literally nine o'clock in the morning and they showed me this scene and I thought, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I have no idea how to do this. Um, but there, there is always a, a car door or uh, lying around in the studio. Um, going back to your other question, that's one thing that every studio should have. And... Uh, so I, I laid the, car, the the door on on the floor and I put some sand onto the window oh. and I and I kicked the the window with the sand and it sounded like it was um cracking Ooh. so that then and then um it yes it it basically sounded like a smashed windscreen breaking and uh and I remember sort of turning around and looking at the recordist and the and the editor and and they sort of were like ah oh. Oh, okay. That's amazing. <laughs> <She did> it. <laughs> yeah, it was 
quite quite nice. I don't think they expected me to do it, which. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I mean. I mean, the, the imagination and being on the spot to really try to to think that because mm. am I right in thinking that you don't often see the footage beforehand? So it's not as though you're getting it a week or so before and you can you know build up ideas as regards to how you might negotiate something a sound that but, but you're literally walking into the studio and there you are as you say nine o'clock seeing a, yeah. a a crash scene yeah yeah it's um yeah i mean that you're just faced with the 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 images and and you just have to think on your feet and i think that's what can be so exhausting and yet so exhilarating about the work because if you have a day when you're you know, creating on 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 the fly constantly. You're you're absolutely exhausted at the end of it, but you feel so alive and satisfied, and 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 you can't even explain to people why you've had such a good day. You just know that you have because you've made lots of sounds. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a great educational tool! Can you imagine? You know, I mean, for for youngsters, you know, little yeah. children, this is what they're doing in a way all the time without them perhaps realising they're creating sounds to perhaps something that they've drawn or something that they see and, and, and but without realising that it's a kind of form of foley. Yes, in some respects, we're all foley artists to our own lives. It's a little bit meta, isn't it? But yes, I mean, I think if... It would be lovely if 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 we could sort of teach or or guide children in ways of of listening. I mean, this is the work that you're doing all the time, um, and uh, and make people appreciate what they're hearing. I mean, everything sort of goes by at such a pace. <laughs> I mean, I I you probably have noticed me touching these headphones. I so rarely use headphones I, I try to avoid it actually I'm not I don't want to have that I find it difficult to be in the, in my environment if I'm listening to music or something um, which I used to do you know I used to have a, a Walkman and and things I used to listen to musicals over and over um, but yes I I, I really with 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 um mobile phones and music constantly you know i i i do i'm slightly concerned that that children are not aware of their environment and their surroundings and and they miss so much then don't they absolutely and and that's you know so well put i think i i do agree with that and i think that um you know as we mentioned earlier it's it's this magnifying of our senses and and Mm. bringing all of our senses together and that's Mm. so interesting about your work is that you're using the eye to hear um but yet you're you're using the space you know that acoustic that the observation of what kind of room what's the flooring you know what is the atmosphere in that room and and Mm. how might the sound then uh, you know, be the presence of that sound, and so on and so forth. And yes, and I suppose you know when I think about the days when I did my O levels and hires at school, you know, in a great big, well, in the school hall basically, and it's lined up with the desks, and and yeah. you know that hall had such a different feel, the atmosphere had such a different feel than when there was a a school drama going on, you know, yeah. a, a yeah. musical or something, or if we were in an assembly and. But it's the same hall, 
you know, mm. same four walls, as it were, mm. same staging, mm. same layout as, as far as the, the basic room, but the feel can so, so change, you know, and, yeah. and therefore how it makes you feel is, is yes. unbelievable. Yes, yes, of course. Yes, the energy changes, doesn't it? You can feel all those sw- sweating teenagers. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm feeling it now. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, I have a mug in my hand and I'm mm. just about to put it on the table. And then I, I thought to myself, oh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about these things a lot more, Ruth, you know. Yes, so I'm gonna... good. Put it on the table there. Oh, that's nice. The second time was definitely better. Oh, okay. You did a double sound. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then this morning I put my uh, rain coat on because I'm a bit bit wet there. And, of course, you know, all of these different types of materials are so important to you. You know, I'm rustling the the jacket now and then I was playing with the zip you know up and down and (laughs) putting the hood over my head and then I picked up and then I scrunched it and then I thought ah yes use it as you know like punching someone in the yes stomach or something and then add a bit of celery to it and then you've got it (laughs) (laughs) and then I have this little cushion because I was actually about to throw this out it's been uh, on one of the bedroom chairs forever, and I thought it's doing absolutely nothing. And literally, I had the the bin lid up, and I was going to put it in the bin. And then I thought, hold on a second, hold on. And I decided to keep it. And I don't know why I decided to keep it, but after reading the the Foley Grail book, um, it it said you can take a, a cushion and go. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of you know, grabbing both ends of the, the small cushion and then bringing it out. It's like a heartbeat. Yes. yes, yes. That's fantastic, isn't it? It's amazing. And I thought, isn't that oh, incredible? Yeah, yeah. How many more cushions do I have yeah. now? <laughs> <laughs> but material, material is a wonderful thing, though, you know. It's, um, I'm not, I'm not sure I can, I've just got a, my pair of trousers here. But, you know, you can... Um, Don't stand up, Ruth. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> but you can create the sound of flame with material, you know. Don't know if you can get that. Oh. Like like big flame and you can yeah, you can create the 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 um oh. especially with a microphone, you know, yeah. when you're close to the microphone, if you get a towel and yeah. uh do that is a sort of more of a um you use your fingers with the the oh. folds of the material and it sounds like a fireball or you know a, f- a flame suddenly appearing and and it's really that again it's the, the sound with the microphone and the relationship between the microphone and the material because you yeah you can get a little even just a little sound and you're you're waving the hem there the leg the hem yes the Yes, I mean a shirt would be better, but I don't have one to yeah. my left. Yeah. I've got, got a few other things, but I haven't got a shirt, unfortunately. Oh. What, what other things do you have? I mean, you you mentioned the placement of the microphone because I'm assuming that is part of the the exploration when the foley artist is there and the sound engineer. That you know, this is a 
the, uh, uh, the, the creativity between both people mm. is absolutely essential. There it couldn't is. be a norm, surely, in the placement of microphones. I mean, you couldn't always mm -hmm. say, oh, well, whenever a jacket is used, the microphone is five feet up in the air or something. It must always um, Yeah, that's interesting because again, it depends on the room that you're in, but I suppose we have sort of basic um, placements. If you're doing footsteps, then you know that the microphone needs to be a certain distance away from the floor. But yes. then if you're doing um, an interior scene, uh, no, exterior scene, you'd probably put the microphone a bit closer to your feet because okay. you don't want to pick up the room sound. I see, yes. Interesting. For example. Mm. And then you've got things like paper, which um, can hit the mic in quite a strange way and can sound really transient uh, or just... Um, Phasing, that was the word I was looking for. Transient can be a bit too harsh. And so sometimes they, the engineer might place the microphone on, on top of the prop because that has a different relationship. I mean, I don't understand it so much. They're listening. I'm not. But um, And water as well. If you're doing water effects, there might be a, a particular place for the microphone to go. But it's different wherever you are and what the project is and... Sometimes they want to experiment with the microphone being on the other side of the room, and I'm thinking, well, how is that going to pick me up? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, you know, I speak, I've got a brush here, just a, a mm. hair brush, and I mean, I can feel obviously the brush going through my hair, but yeah. I would imagine the mic would have to be pretty close. Quite to close. Pick up, you know. Yeah, yeah. The brush going through. Yes, yeah, sometimes you're doing a sound and maybe just hitting your head or something because someone's <laughs> being hit over the head. And you and you, you say, I don't know if that's loud enough because I can only hear it within my, your, your, my your skull. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, how interesting. And I suppose where on the head. So Could make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I try not to hit myself over the head <laughs> when I'm recording, but sometimes you need that sort of the hair. <laughs> What other goodies do you have, Ruth, there? I've just got a couple of things, but I this mm. you, you, you made me think of it with your cushion because this looks the same, not as pretty. Um, but now I'm just trying to think. Let, let's, I hope you, you'll, you can get this. Oh. Oh. Wow, what's in there? Or is that a secret? <laughs> no, it's not a secret. It's um, it's cornflour. So it's cornflour. yeah. Oh. So um, it's basically a snow bag. So you can make the sound of really deep Father Christmas like oh. snow. So which the, is lovely. Yeah, yeah, just that going right into the where you yeah. feel when you when you're walking on that type of snow, you feel your exactly yes yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So that's nice. And um, this is this is my um, my favourite thing that I I made. Um, Ooh, it's like a pillowcase. Wow! So you're flipping it from one side to the other. Yeah. Oh goodness! Is that gravel in there, or yes, 
yes, it is. It's um just a, I think it's aquarium gravel. It's quite small, um, and it's the material is polyester, and um, this is what I call my sea sausage, um, because it makes the sound of the sea, and and it's it's <laughs> it's just a wonderful. I mean, you could do it for hours, literally, because you really could. It's quite meditative, you know. And it's the same kind of um, principle as a rain stick, yes. because you're that you're using your hands and your fingers to control the flow of the of the stones. It's that's really easier, nice. easier said than done, actually. You know, with, with years of like practice. <laughs> but yes. So in a way, you know, we. I mean, the more I speak with you, the more I think that the use of the imagination, uh, just looking at objects in a completely different way, um, that our listening skills can be developed, um, but just the sense of curiosity. I mean, surely as a, you know, for our well-being and, and fun and, and, you know, getting the family together and exploring all sorts of things, you know, it could be a wonderful game as well you know creation yeah. and then well what sound is being depicted there or something I mean it could be an awful lot of fun yes I'd like to think so I mean well when I was little we used to read plays as a family and I remember I made um a little rain stick thing I uh, for my for, for the sound of the rain in in we were reading the ghost train and I had a stick and a little box and I put rice in it and I shook it around. I guess I would have been about seven or something. So obviously it was meant to be that I became a Foley artist. <laughs> but yes, I mean, but you, you know, it's lovely when you, you think you, you can you can do all sorts of things. You can make up, um, you know, uh, the sound of um, uh, cornflakes in a box. If you yeah. shake that, it can sound like a hundred men marching across the horizon, you know, yeah. just that. <laughs> if, if you change the perspective in your head, it's, and yeah. Absolutely. Well, to finish off, I have, um, well, talk about rain sticks. This is a tiny one. Oh, isn't that beautiful? For a sizzling stick. Yes. It's Fantastic. It's not very good, but anyway. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, I was going to throw out until I just accidentally sort of twisted it. So just the Brilliant. Kind of... Yeah, yeah. And then I, I... just an old coffee tin, and I think what what I did was this was just find different ways to put it down. So on the wooden desk, on a drum stool. Totally different, same, yeah. Same um, on, on the cushion. Yeah. And this brought me back to uh, when I was 12 years old and, and when I uh, was uh, given a snare drum for a week and I placed it on a table, on my bed, on the settee, on the lawn, on a stone and so on. So it was the same drum, but it reacted differently depending yes. on the suspect. Yes, yes. that's what I, you know, yeah. was covering, you know, before yes. I to you this morning I thought oh you know and then you know the ways of putting the lid on yes yes to get it off or just yes lovely with it or whatever but you know 
and then you see if well because it, it you know the, the the shape of it this depending yeah. on where you have the opening in relation to a microphone that would have a totally different sound as well interesting and, yeah so that's, that's true that's yeah true. but and it's then, just wonderful to just get your hands on things isn't it absolutely it <laughs> yeah. is and then this one is an old plastic bag but with a plastic bottle inside of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know which sound I'm really creating here, but... Well, if you had just a small bit of the bag and just manipulated it in a small way, it would sound like the crackle of a fire. cellophane is really good for that as well oh, yeah, yeah 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 and then if you get your material you could add a track of the flame. the wafting material for the flame yeah and then you've got the crackle of the sticks and the the flame as well brilliant brilliant yeah forever <laughs> chatting with you it's so fascinating and and you've really just given me a a, a, a fascinating insight into the skill, the imagination, um, and and just the the how can I put it? It's it's just a a never ending journey of curiosity that I think we can all um, benefit from um, by just being a little bit aware of, of um, what's involved in in the life of a Foley artist. So thank you so so much. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It's been lovely to talk. Really thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. I'd like to say a very special thank you to Audio Network for supporting my podcast. Thank you so much for listening. See you in my next one. <laughs>